to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Jason Shepard. What's up, Cougar fans? We're halfway through January. How about that? Only two conference games in the books officially for BYU, and good news is they're at least one and one. But look, things are moving forward now with the team still in Northern California getting ready to take on the Dons. Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate. My name is Jason Shepard, and joining me this week from BYU Sports Nation, the BYU Sports family. He is the producer of BYU Sports Nation. You hear him on the show a lot. He's uh, lovingly called the voice on BYU Sports Nation. He is Ben Bagley. Ben, thanks for uh, joining the Cougar Tailgate. Happy to be here. I always enjoy a good tailgate. Where's the barbecue? Oh, yeah. We should have. Damn, we really missed the boat on that one. Yeah, he dropped the ball. I'm going to really say Cole dropped the ball. He's the producer of the show on this one. Uh, but that would have been a fantastic thing. Not that, uh, like, basically, I just want to have barbecue in the studio while we do the show. Just an excuse to have barbecue. Yes. You don't need, there doesn't have to be a special occasion. It doesn't need to be a tailgate. Just, it's just another excuse. Let's go. And uh, you are a smoker of meats. Uh, yeah, I, yes. I, uh, you are better at it. Uh, than I am. You've done it longer than I have. You are certainly further down the road in terms of your expertise on it. Here's a little a little behind the scenes thing. Ben loves to bring in as much uh, food that he has uh, cooked on the smoker uh, to tempt me every day uh, because he doesn't bring enough to share. Yeah, I meal prep. As I say at home, Sundays are for smoking. I go out to the, go out to the po- patio. Yes, uh, yes. I meal prep for the entire week. And it's usually smoked meats and whatever side I choose for the week. And that's the meals. And you were always like, oh, so what's for lunch? And I'm like, do you want to know? <laughs> I can smell it. And it's always fantastic. So one of these days, uh, you're going to need to bring in enough for everybody. Uh, but uh, welcome to the show. Uh, obviously, uh, Lauren McLean uh, still not with us. She is on maternity leave. Congratulations, yes, Lauren. Absolutely. Woo! Yep. The, uh, the McLean family now with two little boys. So congratulations to, uh, to Steve and Lauren. Uh, and we've got a lot to talk about. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk uh, with Pat Olson. He's the play-by-play man for the USF Dons. That's BYU basketball's next game. They will play tonight. The game was actually moved up a couple of hours, so uh, don't forget that uh, pregame coverage with yours truly will start at uh, 5 o'clock Mountain Time, and then the tip-off on the hilltop will be at 6. We're also going to look uh, look back on BYU's big win at St. Mary's. Before we get to that, Ben, um, you and I, our careers have uh, basically started roughly the same time. I had been at KSL for about two years before I went over to 1320K Fan, and but that's where you and I met. We got to 1320K Fan in Salt Lake City way back in the day, around this, I think within a month of each other. So our careers kind of started not only around the same time, but also at kind of at the same place. Yeah, the same place. I remember coming in, I'd do the afternoon show, uh, interning with, it was Area 51, I believe. Was with the Ian Furness. With Ian Furness. Yes. And, uh, you, you'd come in after that for uh, Jazz Talk with Tom Nasalki. <laughs> and others, a myriad of people. And, yes. and eventually you went one way and I slid into that afternoon drive spot and our careers just kind of climbed and, and paralleled each other. And then on the next thing you know, we're back here, BYU Radio, BYU Broadcasting, doing our thing here. So it's like we're brothers. We are kind of like brothers. Yeah. It's we, like stepbrothers. Yeah. Well, to be perfectly honest with you, you probably are the person that I have been around in this business the longest. But the funniest part about it is, you and I, at least to my knowledge, 
The only show you and I have actually ever done together was a BYU Sports Nation. I don't think we ever did a show on 1320K Fan. Because like you said, I went on to 1280, and then you kind of moved up within 1320. I think that was the very first time you and I, besides today... Did a show together. The, the second ever show together with Ben Bagley and Jason <laughs> Shepard. Right here, you're winning. No, that's interesting because we'd had that conversation. Is there's a BYU Sports Nation? We've done done the show on BYU Sports Nation for eight years. I'm usually behind the scenes. Yep. Uh, that one day, I dusted off the old <laughs> the old talent portion of my my repertoire. We went on. You and I did the show, and I'm like, wow, this is the first time we've done a show yeah. together. We've known each other forever, and yeah. Before we move on to the uh, the win over St. Mary's, give everybody an idea of what your job entails with BYU Sports Nation. I think fans are kind of curious as to what happens behind the scenes. My job is to take the blame anytime anything goes wrong. <laughs> okay. that, that, that's what my job is to do. If everything goes right, that's, hey, nice job, Spencer and Jerem and Jason. Nice job, guys. What, what went wrong? We ben, need the affirmation. Yes, yeah, it's true. No, no it, my job, I, I, I help with storylines. I help. In booking all the guests and and the talent, making sure that's in order. I work with the student crew, which is fantastic. We're so blessed with a great student crew that helps take a lot of the load off in in, in the day to day prep. And I just kind of oversee the big picture of it and book all the guests and and help develop each show individually with story content and stuff. You know, it, it's been a lot of fun. It was different than what I thought I was getting into when I first came down here. But I've loved every minute of it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh, you do a really good job. And uh, obviously, I, I love my association with BYU Sports Nation whenever I get an opportunity to fill in for uh, Spencer or Jerem. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's a great show. All right, so let's, uh, let's get to the basketball game. Uh, Thursday night, BYU had a, a pretty large game on the road at St. Mary's. And, Ben, I mean, this is, a, this is a place that BYU has struggled to get victories at. In fact, they've only won once ever and BYU had already started 0-1 after losing to Gonzaga. I mean, that was not a surprise. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you expect, unfortunately, with anybody that faces Gonzaga. Uh, this was a really big game for BYU. They end up winning it by 10, 62-52. Here's what I love about this game. Um, and, and frankly, this team in general, I'm going to go big picture here for the season. It seems like from night to night with this BYU basketball team, you're not sure what you're going to get. Now, normally when you say that, that's not a good thing. Because you're like, oh, I don't know what you're going to get from this team. I think with this team, it's different. I think it is good because we've seen this team win games with barrages of threes. We've seen this team win games in high-scoring fashion. We've seen this team win games in maybe a low-scoring fashion or a low-scoring fashion like what we saw at St. Mary's. St. Mary's classic Randy Bennett. We're going to slow it down. We're going to grind it. We're going to use all the shot clock we can, and it's going to be a really hard game to watch. Uh, and it was, and it was a Randy Bennett St. Mary's-style Game and BYU struggled with that in the past. One three point shot last night, and they were able one to do one of ten, it. and they still won. They still won, and that's a, it's an amazing thing. And that's why I said it's maybe a good thing because we don't know from night to night who's going to step up big. And I don't know that anybody really stepped up huge last night scoring and stuff. But Gideon George defensively coming down the stretch, and Brennan Averett coming down the stretch just with this hustle came up big last night for BYU, and that's what I, I mean. Forget the X's and O's. Forget the the box score and all that stuff. It's just kind of fun to watch the personality of this team develop, and we're still watching it. We're thirteen or what twelve games in thirteen uh, today with San Francisco. We're still watching this team develop as a per- and develop a personality. Yeah, the, when the game started, BYU found itself down five nothing, and and you're thinking to yourself, oh no, is it going to be one? <laughs> oh, of the, no. Is that going to be another one of those starts? But then BYU. 
finally able, was able to get into a little bit of a rhythm. They took a lead, and by halftime, BYU was down four. Second half started, and it was a little bit of back and forth for a while, and then St. Mary's pulled ahead by seven. BYU got it to within five, and then it stayed there around five, and I remember just having this feeling like, BYU's only down five, but right now, because the offense was just sputtering, it felt like 15. And like five felt like it was this really big hill to climb, but then to your point, Gideon George came in and the defense changed, and it was the defense that then spurred on the offense, and then over the last 10-17 of the game, I think it was a 19-2 run for BYU. The Gales finished the game hitting one field goal out of their final 12 attempts. It just completely changed, and BYU took over at that point. BYU adjusted, St. Mary's didn't, and, and that's what that's what changes a game at this level is the ability to adjust and to adjust to adjustments. Uh, BYU was able to do that last night. I thought it was. I mean, you hadn't seen Gideon George playing a factor like that in, in a while this season, and he comes in. And all of a sudden, you got a, a longer guy guarding a point guard, and, and all of a sudden, Kuzi wasn't able to get to the middle of the lane. He wasn't able to do th- the things that he'd been doing up to that point, and it seemed like all night long. It's like that race with your older brother. I didn't have an older brother, so I was the older brother. I was the older brother. Where, where, where the younger brother's holding on to the back of the shirt, just trying to stay, keep within reach. And eventually that wears down big brother, and younger brother, who's much more spry, was able to adjust and get past. And that's what it felt like last night. It was BYU. I just kept saying, hey, just keep within five. You can do this. Keep within five. And they did. They never let it get out of reach. They struggled. Both teams did. Never get let out of reach. But then, as soon as the, you feel like, as soon as they pass this, it's it's over. And they did. And it was like as soon as they took that tie, there was a point where they they had a chance to make make it a two point game, and they missed missed it on a bad shot. And all of a sudden, St. Mary's went up to stretch it back out to five. I think even seven. And I was like, uh oh, that was their chance. Yeah. But then they were able to do it again. And once they finally got over the hump and, bro- and broke it and took the lead, all of a sudden BYU was able to go from holding on to the shirt to Heisman Trophy stiff-arming St. Mary's and everything they were able to do. Well, and I think what you said in terms of nobody had like this dominant game, but throughout the night there were different guys that stepped up. You mentioned Brandon Aver down the stretch with just some big, big buckets. I think his biggest one was when he got a shot blocked, and then nobody for whatever reason went after the rebound. He got his own rebound in the putback. That, that, was, that was a hustle play that really turned things around and kept BYU in the groove. I thought he had a really good game. Obviously, Alex Barcelo led the way with 14, and I thought he picked his spots, and when he needed to score, he did. But you had, you had, a, you had a decent game from Matt Harms. You had uh, Trevanel getting his first start, came away with seven points on three of five shooting. Just throughout the night, you had different guys at different times come up with really big plays. Well, and the best part about that, you, we mentioned that last stretch where they outscored him 19-2. to I don't think BYU... I, I, th- I think... Let me let me say this right. Gideon George played really good defense. Mm-hmm. BYU made an adjustment. I don't think as a team the defense was shut down, stopped St. Mary's. I think St. Mary's went cold a little bit. But what BYU did outside of Gideon George's defense is the hustle went up. Kobe Lee getting on the yeah. floor. And the best part about that play, and you know the play I'm talking about right yep. from the St. Mary's bench? He wasn't going after the ball, people. <laughs> <laughs> he dove on the floor, back turned to bump. Kuzi a little bit, just enough to the Kuzi couldn't control it. It goes out of bounds, BYU ball. Colby Lee wasn't going for the ball there, people. He was going to make that hustle play and make it that much harder, and it turned into a BYU ball. And you saw Big Rich doing that. You saw other guys just hitting the floor. The hustle play went up, and that's where BYU, I thought, pushed it over the top. BYU now 10-3 and overall. 
one and one in West Coast Conference play. And look, if you're the Gales, you're in big trouble because you had already lost your first game against Santa Clara. Now you're zero and two. You're gonna be zero and three because they have Gonzaga tonight. So good luck with that. Might be early to say this, but the WCC went from a preseason three bid league to now we're just looking at two. Hopefully, yeah. go BYU get that out large bid. <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's an interesting question. We we have almost it's almost become comical the different views of BYU basketball and how they're kind of all over the map depending on where you look. Some people have them in the 60s. Some people have them in the 40s. At one point, Andy Katz had them in the 20s. <laughs> it, it's, it's like nobody has a consensus as to where BYU is right now. Well, it's like I said earlier. We don't know what you're going to get from night to night, and that's not a bad thing, but we don't know what we're going to get in the big picture yet. There's still... BYU is going to play their 13th game today at San Francisco. That was what the NCAA said. Hey, you got to play 13 mm-hmm. games again in the tournament. BYU becomes tournament eligible officially as soon as they play San Francisco. But they still don't know who they are. And I don't know that on a broad landscape of college basketball, with at this point you've got a pretty good feel of who's got what and who's who. I don't know that we have that yet because there's teams who've played the 13 games and 15 games. There's teams that have played four and five games because of the pandemic and the COVID issues. So it's really hard to kind of get a pulse because there hasn't been that consistency of you got two games a week, maybe a third game in there. We're going to get a, a good picture, snapshot of what this team is or what the conference is. Haven't gotten that yet, and that's what I think makes it really weird. All right, BYU, meanwhile, as we said, looking ahead to San Francisco now. When we come back, we'll get to know today's opponent a little bit more by talking to their play-by-play man, Pat Olson. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is the Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. My name is Jason Shepard, joined by Ben Bagley. Hopefully you are enjoying your Saturday afternoon, BYU and San Francisco tonight from the Hilltop. It's a cool nickname, by the way. I'm just playing on the Hilltop. Uh, little secret here. My brother-in-law coaches women's volleyball at San Fran- the University of San you, Francisco. You are the he, Don's aficionado. He loves it out there. He loves the university and the campus. It's a beautiful spot. Uh, pricey because it's San Francisco, <laughs> yeah. but a very beautiful spot, and he loves it out there. Now, didn't you say that he likes to? He, he's got a motorcycle and likes to ride his. Mo- now I've been to San Francisco one time. I was there two years ago with BYU women's soccer, so I got that's the first time I'd ever been there. It's a gorgeous area, but you say he likes to ride his motorcycle. Like I can't think of many other places that would be as cool as riding around on a motorcycle along the the hills in San Francisco. Yeah, he he went out with a truck. <laughs> and realized quickly that San Francisco, not the best city to have a full-size truck in, traded it in for a smaller car and then realized, what am I doing? I need a motorcycle. And every Sunday, uh, he sends pictures of, hey, here's my Sunday ride. I'm like, hey, thanks for that. I'm in snow, you jerk. <laughs> what do you make of this matchup tonight? This is uh, These games against San Francisco, and, and honestly, whether it's been on the hilltop or – at the Marriott Center, they're always good games, and they're always exciting games. What do you make of this specific matchup with the Dons tonight? Dangerous. Because uh, I think there's a lot of energy put into getting ready for St. Mary's, obviously, because it's usually BYU, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, those four, three teams at the top. San Francisco, for the last couple of years, has been right underneath the surface there, like trying to, like it's Jaws. The fin's coming up a little bit, then it disappears. It comes up a little bit, disappears. 
But it's going to bite at one point, and it has in the past for BYU. They've struggled on the hilltop in San Francisco. Uh, now is an opportunity not to get bit again here for BYU because this team's not – I mean, you, different rankings, yes, but San Francisco's ahead of St. Mary's in the Ken Palm rankings. I think they're better than St. Mary's. They're just behind St. Mary's in the net rankings. This team might be better than St. Mary's, and if that's the case, you, you put a lot of energy and a lot of – emotion into that St. Mary's game, you got to match that going into San Francisco. So how do I describe this game? Dangerous. Well, uh, let's get a little bit more into the game tonight. Uh, Yesterday, I had the chance to talk with the play-by-play voice for the USF Dons. His name is Pat Olson. We obviously talked about the game tonight, but also a little bit of history about San Francisco. First and foremost, Pat, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, great to be with you again, Jason. So now let's, uh, we got a lot to, to hit on with you. I'm, I'm excited about this conversation. One of the reasons I'm excited about this too is, uh, I guess it was now two seasons ago, uh, I actually had never been to San Francisco ever. And so it was my first trip to San Francisco and I was with BYU Women's Soccer and we had come out to play the Dons in, uh, you know, obviously on the hilltop. And I was so impressed with the area around it. What a picturesque place to have the University of San Francisco. Yeah, it's in a great area of the city. You know, it's called the Inner Richmond District. And for those who have been to the city before will know that, you know, the University of San Francisco campus is very close to the panhandle portion of Golden Gate Park. So the inner Richmond district, you know, is kind of a traditional homes. It's more of a, you know, neighborhood than it is like industrial. So the, the areas you're referencing are those, you know, those homes that were built probably a hundred years ago. Uh, I think a lot of people that come to the city know the, uh, the painted lady houses. Those are the, the homes that are um, featured on, gosh, what was that 80s TV show that 80s or 90s? Yeah, that's the one full that's house. Right. So, so that neighborhood is probably about maybe 15, 20 blocks from USF. So that's all kind of the same area. Haight-Ashbury, uh, the inner Richmond district, you know, it all kind of blends together. But it's a great part of the city where the campus is located. Well, it certainly is picturesque. I was very much impressed and can't wait for my, my next opportunity to go to the campus. Now, Pat, this may sound like somewhat of a, of a dumb question, Obviously, we refer to when, when BYU or any team goes to play San Francisco, you say they're going to the hilltop. Is there a story behind it beyond anything more than that it's on the hilltop, or is that it? That's it. That's it. The campus is up on a hill. I think the city of San Francisco has seven hills. The, a couple of the more famous ones that you know people from outside the area might know about, Twin Peaks. That's an area where people kind of kind of drive and get a view of the city. And then in the, the downtown area where the cable cars are, they take you up to the, the what's known as the top of the mark or Knob Hill. And the Knob Hill neighborhood is very, very well-to-do. Those are some big homes up there and some pretty high-end uh, condominiums. That's but where you live, the, right, Pat? What's that? That's where you live, right? Yeah, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then there's the, uh, the, you know, the campus, and the campus is up on a hill. In fact, uh, a portion of the campus, which is called Lone Mountain, which is more where the administrative offices are of the, the university president, Paul Fitzgerald, his office there. 
and our vice president, Charlie Cross, and they have these beautiful offices, and that's even kind of higher up. And if you go up third or fourth floor, it's an unbelievable view of the downtown area looking east across the Bay Bridge and out towards the Oakland Hills where Berkeley is, and it's, it's quite impressive. Let's talk about the basketball team. Uh, nine and six right now, three and two in WCC play. What have been the biggest storylines for USF this year thus far? I think the biggest storyline really, Jason, is in this COVID world, the fact that USF has played 15 games. Yeah. That's, that's your lead right away. I mean, there's, you know, you look at Pacific and Pacific played um, last evening. It was their first conference game. Uh, I, I guess it was actually yesterday afternoon. They knocked off Santa Clara at home in Stockton. And Pepperdine played at Gonzaga last evening, their first conference game. You mentioned the record. USF has played five conference games. So the Dons have been fortunate with some creative scheduling. And knock on wood, the team has kept healthy. So they themselves haven't had a COVID derailment. And when they have had to play a team or be in a schedule situation where the opponent has you know popped a COVID case and suddenly there's a, a postponement or a cancellation. The USF coaching staff under Todd Golden has done a tremendous job in finding other ball games. Case in point, Jason, USF opened the season. The Dons were supposed to play in a tournament in Nebraska. Uh, a couple of the teams begin to drop out of that tournament, and suddenly I got a phone call that they weren't going to Nebraska; they were going to Connecticut. And and then the, the, the opponent in the tournament in Connecticut changed three different times. So the coaching staff was probably scrambling to get their scouting reports together because I know from my standpoint as the broadcaster, I kept asking for different rosters to get to this fourth different opponent. But that's this that's this season. That's the way it's gone. They they had a game earlier this year where they were supposed to play on the road. At USC, that was supposed to be a Tuesday night game. I'm going on dates here. I think it was December, like, I think it was actually supposed to be a, a Wednesday game, maybe December 16th or 17th, somewhere along in there. On the Sunday, like three or four days before, the USF, you know, coaching staff learned that USC had a COVID case. So USC canceled from their side. The Dons immediately started working the phones and they picked up a game at the University of Oregon. So not only did they replace the game, but they got a similar opponent, a road Pac-12 game that obviously, if you know, you can play close or maybe even get an upset win on the road. You help that net ranking. So they've, the, the coaching staff has done an excellent job of being able to just keep the kids playing games. And I know BYU coming into league play had accomplished, you know, a 13-game non-conference or, you know, I guess an 11-game non-conference. That was their goal. They were 9-2 and before they hit league play. And if you're playing, you know, 10-11 non-league games this year in this world, you're doing pretty good stuff. Well, and these games between BYU and San Francisco are always entertaining. And regardless of where the games are played, uh, before I let you go, what's something, what's a, a specific matchup you're looking at in this battle tonight between the Dons and Cougars? Well, I, I think really, you know, can, can USF, you know, shake loose and get some three-point opportunities? This USF team has attempted an awful lot of threes, and I know the, the rankings change each week, but they've been pretty much in the top 25 all season in the number of three-pointers attempted per game and the number of three-pointers made per contest. Um, you know, they'll, they'll shoot 40 
three-pointers sometimes in one contest. And if they can make some of those, I mean, attempting 40 and making them is a different story, right? So can they get loose and get some good looks at three-pointers? Can they get their guards, uh, you know, Jamari Bouye and Khalil Shabazz going? You might remember the game a couple years ago on the Hilltop when Shabazz was 10 for 10, yep. went off for 32 points against BYU, including six for six from three-point range. So I really think it will be about the USF guards. And can the Dons guard enough on the inside? You guys have that big guy Harms, the, the seven-foot, three-inch transfer from Purdue. You know, USF has been challenged when they have played teams that have had a, a pretty big and bulky front line, LMU, Gave USF problems in LA with Eli Scott down low on the box. So if 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 the Dons can prevent BYU from going inside a lot, and they can get their guards going on the perimeter, they'll have a good chance to win the ball game. Pat, it's always great to talk with you. It's always a good matchup between BYU and USF. Thanks for the time and have a good call. Yeah, appreciate being with you. Always fun, and it should be a good ball game when the Dons and the Cougars uh, tip it up uh, on the hilltop. That was Pat Olson, play-by-play man for the USF Dons. Thanks to him for joining us. And uh, it's going to be a fun one tonight, Ben. Um, Look, if you look at the fact that BYU's first three games to start conference play, and obviously it wasn't set out to be this way. COVID has, has made it this way. The first three games for the Cougars, all on the road, at Gonzaga, at St. Mary's, at USF. With a win tonight, to be able to say you went 2-1 and one during that stretch, that is a big-time victory. Hey, it's all clear sailing ahead. It's all ball bearings nowadays. <laughs> no, no, that, that is. That's an interesting start to the conference season and getting the three toughest road games out of the way early. And, and early, I mean over a three-week stretch where it normally would have happened in a week and a half. But you get those out of the way, and... Nobody was expecting BYU to win at the Kennel in Gonzaga. That, that's just, I, yes, you've done it in the past, but you don't go in expecting to get it. But that's also to be said the same thing about Moraga. And you struggled, as I said earlier, at San Francisco. If you can come 2-1 and one here, is it too early to say you've locked up your at-large bid? Because the rest of the conference is struggling. You might, as long as you don't stumble yeah, along don't, the way, you may have. Don't trip up. Don't trip up is what I'm saying. But just if you play chalk on the way out, you might you might have locked up your your, your at large bid. What did you think of our uh, second time hosting a show together? Did well, you enjoy the Cougar tailgate? Minus obviously the barbecue, which yeah, we're going to work on. Barbecue would have taken it up over the top. I'm not going to lie, but Jason, there's never a time like the first. And I mean, <laughs> this is this was special. I enjoyed it. It's, it's no, I like the like coming back to the radio roots because you and I both came up in the radio yep. radio uh, genre, and there there's there's a freedom to radio that I really enjoy, and so it's good to just sit and chat with you. If Ben has only one flaw, it is the fact that he thinks Fletch 2 is a great movie. I didn't say great, I just enjoy it. Yeah, see, well, that's a problem. All right, that's going to do it for the Cougar Tailgate today. Thanks again to USF play-by-play man Pat Olson, and of course, my co-host, he is the producer of BYU Sports Nation, Ben Bagley. Ben, thanks for pinch hitting today. Appreciate it. It was fun. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. All right. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time, or you can download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYURadio.org. It is a showdown on the hilltop tonight. Join me for pregame coverage, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain Time. This is the Cougar Tailgate.